Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Team Blaine Podcast. My name is Steve Mez, and alongside me is special guest host again this week, Kate Mez. The Hello. Team, <laughs> the Team Blaney Podcast is brought to you by fans for fans. We have been diehard followers of the Blaney Racing family for two decades. Today, we closely follow third-generation driver Ryan Blaney, who pilots the number 12 Ford Mustang for Team Penske on the NASCAR Cup Series circuit. Each week on the podcast, we review Ryan's latest NASCAR race and preview the race for the upcoming weekend, offering news, notes, statistics, and analysis. And we kind of wanted to do a special edition this week. Uh, that's why uh, Kate is with me again, um, because we did make the trip to Indianapolis together. Adam will be uh, along later in the podcast with, of course, this week in NASCAR history. But uh, this week, we did go out to the Indy Road course. Yes, we did. And uh, we had it actually a really great weekend it was it was very nice um the the, the finish helped help with that but mm-hmm. the truth is is really the experience itself was really good for what was both our first times uh to indianapolis yeah um we traveled out saturday uh so we didn't actually get to see uh the practice on saturday morning uh, from what i got here uh Ryan did 13 laps. He was about a second, 1.07 seconds off the lead, which was the 19th car in practice. Um, but we got a nice uh, setup. Uh, hotel was what, 20 minutes from the track? Yeah, about 25. And Not bad. Um, which enabled us to get there pretty early on uh, on uh, Sunday. Um, I actually went to uh, downtown Indianapolis Saturday night to the Indianapolis Indians AAA uh, baseball game. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, if you ever get a chance to do something like that, AAA baseball is actually a really cool experience. It's almost Major League, and the stadiums are really cool, usually. Yeah, plus they were the Pirates affiliate team, so that was always kind of, that's neat. Yeah, we saw a couple guys who actually played for the Pirates in the past uh, couple years. Yeah, and it was a really good game. A really good game. A lot of hits, a lot of action, a lot of people running around the bases. Um, but uh, we did get an early uh, start, uh, like I said, uh, Sunday morning, uh, because there was qualifying at 9 o'clock. Uh, we actually got to the track a little bit before 8 o'clock. Yeah. Uh, track opened at 8. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we had we had what I like to call great parking. <laughs> we had fantastic parking. It was great. We parked right across from basically where our seats were, and um, we were sit- sitting uh, on the inside of the track, uh, just down from the Pagoda, a couple sections. Um, at the top of those stands there. Yeah, I think like three sections down. Like you could see Victory's Circle. You could see the start-finish line. You could see the bricks. Were, I mean, real nice. We didn't get to see a whole lot of the track itself, but we had a um, we had a TV like right in front of us. Yeah, video, so. video board right across yeah. from us uh, gave us not only the action behind us, but then it gave us like running standings as it went along too. Yeah. So we didn't have to look all the way down the track to the pylon. Um, a good portion of people, uh, actually, once once the race got started, were sitting down in what would have been the IndyCar sections, uh, turn uh, one and uh, four. And I guess from those stands, if you were up high enough, you could see a lot of what happened um, in all the, the turns and chicanes behind the, yeah. the, the pagoda. But uh, for us, not bad. Um, we get there, we got situated by about uh, nine o'clock in our seats there just for the qualifying effort. Um, they do 20 minutes and then they have a break and they do another 10 minute session with the top 12. Um, Ryan was 16th and they actually made two attempts in the 20 minutes, mm-hmm. but, uh, he didn't improve. So no, it wasn't good enough to get to that top 12. Um, but as the race goes on and we'll find out it, it, uh, doesn't necessarily mean that you can't, can't have a good finish. Yeah. Um, so, uh, our experience there from, from, from that point on, we have from, well, it was a nine thirty quarter till I'm saying about a quarter till uh, ten there till almost one o'clock to get back to our seats. Yeah. Uh, so we start going back, back behind us behind our stands is where everything was pretty much situated, and um, we go to um, uh, all the uh, haulers. Always go check out the merchandise. Merch. Yeah. And uh, so it did look like a lot of new stuff from from when we were at Road America, didn't it? Well, yeah, but that's not that long ago. But no, it was all—it was all pretty much the same stuff. So we just kind of went in and looked, and we were kind of walking around. We already have some new stuff yeah. from, from the last trip, um, and then we go to start walking along. Now, if you walk um, up the track behind the stands, there it, there are the, the the garages. They're literally underneath that set of stands, 
and um, the garages, the way they're situated there, they literally have everybody's name and, and car number above them. So as we're walking along, we go, oh, there's Ryan's garage. Now, mind you, the cars are all... Yeah, there's no cars in there. Yeah, Just the... his name was there, and that was cool. <laughs> yeah, so we were going to take a picture. And on the other side of the fence there, who did we see? Well, there was one... One guy in the Menards stuck walking, and all of a sudden you just yell out, "Hey, Josh!" <laughs> and he he looked over and he 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 waved. He came over and he talked to us for a good like ten minutes. So, hey, how you doing? <laughs> it was it was really great uh, to actually meet Josh in person. We've been dealing then uh, you know Josh on Zoom calls here uh, to do the do the show, and uh, it was great to just meet him and talk to him live and in person. Um, but it was really kind of cool because. He kind of like was going to turn away, just was kind of wave, and then he realized who we were. He realized who you were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he was he was really cool, and it was it was nice. Yeah, it was great for him to take yeah. a couple couple minutes out of what he was doing because I'm sure he had to go do something. And, and when he got done talking with us, he did go ahead and uh, you know had to run up run up there. So hopefully we didn't hold him up too, too much from what he was was supposed to do or be doing. Um, but. Uh, you know, if you ever get a chance to meet him, he really is a great fan-friendly kind of guy. Mm -hmm. And he definitely will tell you everything, you know, tells you how it is, basically. He doesn't yeah. he doesn't pull any punches. Uh, and uh, it was great to get a little info before the race on, on what kind of things we might see, um, you know, out of Ryan uh, for the race. Um, at this point, uh, we know that the tweet-up was going to happen at, what time was it going to be going? 11.40, I think it was. Yeah, so... We kind of headed back in the general direction of where the tweet up was. Um, we we're kind of avoiding like a lot of crowdedness. Um, just don't want to get caught up in a lot of traffic of people, uh, so we kind of like made our way over that direction. And while we were sitting there, there's this one guy who goes by, and people are asking him for his autograph. A lot of people want to take pictures with him. Yeah. And we couldn't figure out who he was. At first, we couldn't figure out who he was, and then uh, on Monday. Uh, you were checking YouTube out? Yeah. And his name was, uh, he's, he's actually a huge YouTube. Uh, Eric? Eric Estep. Yeah. I hope we said that right. E-S-T-E-P-P. -P. And he's a huge uh, vlogger on YouTube. He has like, 160,000 followers. Yeah. And, of course, you're watching the video. And sure enough, in the first, like, 30 seconds of the video, we're actually in the video. Yeah. <laughs> walking by. I feel bad that we didn't know who he was. But then we started checking it out when we got back home. And he's pretty it, – it was interesting. I'm, I'm excited to watch some more of his stuff. Yeah, that, that'll be kind of – because he does have good commentary. Yeah. Um, so, you know, somebody we're going to start following on, on YouTube and, uh, uh, you know – it was kind of interesting to see him, and he was kind of funny because he stumbled upon the tweet up. He didn't even know the tweet up was happening there, so he he actually was able to videotape a little mm -hmm. bit of the tweet up. Even um, this tweet up, a lot of them will have Jeff Gluck or Bob Pockross uh, running them, and sometimes we'll have special guests. They had somebody there from the track, I think, who really talked for a minute or so, but not not nothing major. But uh, they did have NASCAR Chasm there. Yes. Yes, we got to meet Chasm. That was fun. He was very, very nice. Very sweet. Um, we tried not to give away his secret identity. No, no, no. Uh, for those who know NASCAR Chasm on Twitter, uh, he does not actually have like a picture of his face um, on, on his Twitter account. He usually puts a picture of uh, some other things there. And uh, there was a big joke. Uh, literally the night before, he was at an establishment with A.J. Allmendinger and who else? Well, there was another driver there, and then uh, a couple people from that team. And it was really funny because the picture they took was a couple of you know, those guys standing there, and then he had his back to everybody, facing the wall. Um, and we actually tried to take a picture like that too with him. It was kind of kind of funny. Uh, Bob um, ran a great tweet up. A lot of people want to come and ask Bob questions, and uh, it, he was very accommodating to everybody who's there, take pictures yeah. and so forth. Um, it was really great to, to meet him uh, in person. So if you ever get a chance to do the tweet up before uh, before a race, go ahead and do it. Uh, you never know. We were at uh, Michigan one year, and they had a driver or two come out. Um, mm -hmm. When Adam was at Atlanta this year, they actually had two or three of the spotters come out. Um, so, you know, depending on what race and what they can and can't do, you'll get um, uh, some, you know, access to some people you don't normally get. Actually, while we were... I was sitting there. You were you were listening to Bob. I sat down, 
and a guy came over to me and he pointed at my shirt. I was wearing a, a shirt with the podcast on it. And he said, hey, my buddy's a Blaney fan. So he called him over. I want to say that your name is Brian. I hope that is right. Um, <laughs> but we started talking. Um, and he said that he uh, he wanted to know uh, why, why we got into Ryan. So we started telling him all about, you know, you guys know the whole story and everything. Um, and he said he really liked the fact that he was kind of an old school racer. You know, he doesn't like to tear up the equipment. And he's just, he's like real laid back. And he really likes that about him. And so... We were telling about the podcast, so if you're listening, hi! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like I said, anytime you get a chance, uh, check out, make sure you check out the tweet up uh, in the NASCAR race. I don't know what, what it's going to look like in the future here because uh, some of the protocols are changing in the weeks to follow here. But in the future, like I said, uh, uh, look for Jeff Gluck or Bob Hawcross's Twitter account, and they'll usually give you a time and a place to, yeah. to meet up. You know, that, that gets us to where we get back to the stands there before 1 o'clock, and... Uh, pre-race ceremonies there um national anthem was a really good actually national anthem i can't remember the, the late the girl's name that sang it but uh the flyover was quite funny because it was about 30 seconds behind uh, at least 30 seconds yeah. you couldn't even see them i had to point them out to you but. so the people there were people who literally commented on this um i saw on twitter um that uh what NBC didn't show the flyover? Well, it wasn't. It, <laughs> it was, hadn't been in like the second commercial by the time you guys. Yeah, it wasn't NBC's <laughs> fault. Trust me. No. Uh, the 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 flyover was just a little a little late getting there. They just didn't have it timed up right. Ryan Blaney race recap. Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course. So the Indy road course of Verizon two hundred at the Brickyard. And one thing they did overnight between Saturday and Sunday is they removed the. There was a big rumble, an orange rumble strip of some sort that was in turn six. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not sure if this was like a deterrent to keep them from shortcutting the corner, but I guess during the Xfinity race and the Indy race, they had problems with it, so they just totally removed it before Sunday's race. It was like going to be a safety concern. And I don't know if this leads to things later in the day, but definitely they had problems with that turn in that corner. Um, so um, there are stages of 16, 36, 82 at 200 miles. Uh, lap one, uh, the 24 leads the field into turn one, and uh, they all make it through somehow. I wrote that because uh, later in the day, turn one becomes a, a, a hot spot uh, for activity there. Um, now, my race reports going to be totally different than what I usually do, and that's basically because uh, we were you know, at the track, and I couldn't keep track of things like I normally do. Uh, we did have our headsets on. We were able to listen to Josh all the time, so we did get good info from Josh, but uh, I didn't take a lot of notes at the track or anything like that. I wanted to kind of enjoy the experience. Um, lap 7, uh, the 33 car ends up spinning, and then at lap 12 and 13, over half the field pits here. Um, this is going to be like during the day a three-pit three strategy, basically. They're looking to pit once at the end of each stage and then one more time during that third stage. Um, lap 14, uh, the 8 takes the lead, and at lap 16, he ends up winning the stage. And Ryan is 22nd at this point, but it's nothing to worry about because, like I said, again, they're basically looking at uh, three pit stops uh, during the race. So um, this will kind of shake out as uh, everybody comes in and pits here at the uh, at stage break, the rest of the field pits. And... Um, the restart at lap 20, uh, the two actually leads the field to the green. So he's one of the cars that pitted earlier, and he gains all that track position back. Um, at lap 25, uh, he gets into the wall in turn 11, and he has to come to pit road. And uh, the, the two kind of struggles all day, but he ends up back on the lead lap later on. At uh, lap 33, 32 and 33, once again, everybody starts pitting before the end of the stage here. Um, the 16 actually ends up being too fast on pit road. And at lap 36, the 8 wins the stage, and Ryan is 26. But once again, like I said, during the regular parts of the race, Ryan pretty much is like between... He was between like 10th and 12th. Those were more cutting in between the the green flag pit stops. Like that wasn't really an indication where he was. Yeah, once everybody has shaken out their pit stops, he kind of ends up in that that range, right? um, So lap 40, the 5 leads the field to the green here and uh, he kind of like for the next part of the race ends up leading a lot of it um, lap 41 there's a debris caution turn six now there's a splitter and part of a radiator pan stuck underneath the uh, turtle or curbing whatever you want to call it that they put in there um, and they do go and dig this thing out and 
they do a little repair work on it, but they really don't, like, you don't hear much. It's just a caution, and during the caution, they fix whatever it is. But later on, it comes into huge... Can I just say I was kind of shocked at how big of a piece the splitter that came out. Like, I was shocked at the size. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, and and um, the track announcers uh, that they used was, was what, Alan Bestwick and uh, Jamie Little, was it? I think. And um, so we can hear them intermittently once the, the sound comes down, you know, during a caution. And uh, they were both um, trying to figure out what car it came from, basically. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure Twitter has said at this point, but, uh, you know, it, it, it gets kind of crazy that uh, later on, because I don't know how those cars operate without those parts, you know. Um, so between lap... Um, Lap 55 and 62, basically, all the team's pit strategies all come together. Basically, everybody, some point during those six, seven laps, ends up going ahead and getting their last pit stop in. Um, At lap 74, we have a debris caution. And this is where it all starts to go crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, The debris caution comes out, and the 11, the 1, the 21, and the 14 stay out. They all stay out. Um, the rest of the field basically comes in and gets four tires. So we now know that um, uh, it's going to be crazy going into turn one. And I, I said this, I, was, I messaged with Josh a little bit during the day today talking about um, what ends up happening with uh, Briscoe. But this becomes asking for forgiveness instead of asking for permission at this point. Um, you go ahead and do whatever you got to do and later on you'll apologize for it. Um, you don't worry about, can I do this or can't I do this? So they were really good about going into turn one for most of the race. But this point forward, I think all bets are off, basically. All bets are off. Um, so we, we do get the restart at lap 77. And right away, the 19 spins in turn six. Mm-hmm. Now, um, it was interesting on the radio... Um, Ryan actually said something and asked if it was his fault. Yeah. He said something about, like, ooh, my bad. Did I cause that? Yeah. yeah. Did I cause that? Because uh, he was kind of, like, running right kind of just to the left of Truex, basically, um, and just in front of him. Um, but replay shows that uh, Ryan didn't touch him at all, didn't actually cause him to crash, and didn't cut him off in a way that made him make any kind of move or anything like that. Um, so they they do um, keep running at this point. There's no yes. no yellow flag, Mm-mm. and what I don't know if NASCAR realized it or not, but whatever the 19 did there um, damaged that curve. It, it caused it to come up, and I don't know if they didn't see it or it wasn't bad enough right away. But as they come around for lap 78, I don't know. It almost looked like as the day went on. It just got progressively worse. And it just, because maybe it was just the 19 at that moment, it was just, oh, someone got someone got a little banged up or something. I don't think anybody had any idea of what was about to happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's lap 78. Uh, they come around. The 14 and the 11 are battling for the lead. And then just all H-E double hawk stick, hockey sticks breaks loose. I was going to say the word starts with cluster, but it's the same thing. Yes. <laughs> it's just a melee. Um, the 24, the 18, the 22, the 37, the 8, the 17, the 20, the 99, the 15, the 4, the 77, all end up with damage, spinning out after hitting it or, or trying not to or hit each other. It, yeah. Um, the 22 ends up all the way across the track to the left-hand side up into the tire barrier. Um, and the curbing is just totally torn up at that point. It's what some drivers, I think we're calling it was disintegrated. It's disintegrated now. Yeah. Like it's so red flag. Yeah. Red flag at lap 79 <laughs> for 19 minutes and 14 seconds. And that's it. It's, it seems longer than that. Well, there's two red flags. I know, but the first one I thought was longer than that. Yeah. yeah. It might have been my sunburn, though. Well, well the, the, <laughs> ca- the cautions that come out of it also, because yeah. um, once they lift the red flag, yeah. uh, there ends up being uh, a lot of caution time. Um, the crew removes the curtain. They literally get out there and rip the thing out of there. And, and the crowd went 
crazy. <laughs> Everybody was excited to see that thing come out. It was it was nuts. Uh, they put put a tractor, um, tied it to a tractor, and the tractor drug it out. And any video board that showed it, it exactly that's exactly what happened. They should of, auction off pieces of it or something. Oh, for charity, <laughs> that's a great idea. I would totally buy one and hang it up in here. <laughs> That's a super idea. <laughs> they put the date on it and maybe, yeah. have, maybe have somebody like Logano autograph it since it, you know, ruined his day. <laughs> I don't know if he'd want to do that, but... <laughs> ah, some of you guys have a good sense of humor about that stuff. Um, and the caution, you know, the red flag was 79 and the caution lasted till 89. So literally there was 10 laps of caution and what ended up happening is we're going to go green. And they take the green, or they take the... Um, uh, one lap to go while they're on the caution lap. So they don't do it like for a whole lap. They get around to turn 10, I think it was, somewhere back there. And that's when they give them the one to go and they yeah. line up back there. Yeah. And there were a number of times during this 10 laps where they were ready to go. And they called they, it off. They called it off. We have to clean this up. We have to clean that up. We see this fluid. Is There's the, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we had cars that were dripping fluid everywhere. They were still trying to finish the race. They knew it was going to be green-white -right checkered, and they kind of figured, well, if we survive this one and maybe any other one that comes after that, maybe we could move up a couple spots, you know. So, yeah, everybody's trying to do those kind of things with a lot of wrecked race cars, and, um, it, you know, <laughs> it caused for all the caution laps. And we you noticed but i think people like there wasn't a lot of people around us we had a nice like social distance area but i think there were people that were watching us because we were hearing in the headphones they're waving it off and we put our heads down and i think people around us started to notice that like they're getting information quicker than we are so they were kind of watching us i don't know if you caught that but i did i didn't realize that yeah um so the first ot attempt uh the 11 uh, leads the field to the green and once they get to turn six, the, the fun happens again. Um, the 23 goes right up the whole area there. Um, they took out that, that curb that was on the bend, but there was another piece of curbing that went kind of across that was a little further to the right, mm -hmm. but went across. And it was basically a, a launching pad if you went there. Yes. And once again, because all bets are off, if you're on the inside of that, and let's say I'm on the outside of you, maybe I push you right over to it. Because I want to run a straighter line through that turn, you know. Yeah. And um, I, I heard really... the rumor was people started calling it the Mario Kart corner because seriously they were launching over it. Yeah. I don't know if it happened. Who did it to him? If it happened on purpose? Um, but the thirty-four literally two two wheels up off the ground. So I don't know if he got pushed into it or not. But once again. The 34 gets hit, the 3, the 4, the 19, the 8, the 7, and just a whole bunch of more cars involved. Another red flag for mm -hmm. about four minutes. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, we all just kind of sit there waiting for that to, to be cleaned up. And um, we get the uh, second attempt at the uh, OT at lap 94. And, and I don't even know. I mean, if you've seen it yet, great. If you haven't seen this yet, get to YouTube or wherever you can to find this. Pause the podcast and go watch the <laughs> Go ending. watch it. And then, then come back. And then come back to us. <laughs> um, the 11 leads the field of the green. The 14 mm -hmm. is on his outside. Mm -hmm. Turn one is a right-hander that's almost 90 degrees. And I don't know how to explain whether the 11 bumped him or not. I don't know if he feels that way, but he kind of got shoved into the grass or ended up into the grass. The 14. The 14 did. Yeah, yes. Correct. And he gets into the grass and uh, cuts the corner. And, and there's another, it's a right-hander and then a left-hander. So he cuts the corner basically for that next turn and ends up basically almost in, well, in front of the he, 11. He did. He started to come out like three car lengths, it seemed like, in front of him. He ended up coming out quite close to him, but yes, he, he was in the lead. Yeah, he advanced his position any way you look at it. Whether he was first going into the turn, he ended up way first. You know, well, way it's not like he just like went off into the grass. Like, he cut all the, I mean, come on. So, this was explained to the drivers, I'm sure, ahead of time in the driver's meeting that there will be a penalty. Yes. Be a stop-and-go penalty. Yes. I believe it's supposed to be in turn 10. Yes, there were like three... Three turns or something, I think it was, that if they cut those ones, they have to go and do a stop and go in turn 10, I believe it was. 
Now, we're listening to Ryan's spotter. We're listening to Josh mainly at that point. Mm -hmm. uh, he had two other spotters that day. Uh, Mule, I know, was one of them. But Josh is, is the main guy. Josh is down. And that in, was his, yeah, that was his area. It was his area, too. But Josh, uh, as I found out today, the way he's got his radio set up, and I did, most of the, the um, spotters probably do this, they've got NASCAR plugged into their headset. Now, they can't necessarily, I don't know if they can necessarily talk to NASCAR, but NASCAR, they definitely get NASCAR's report. So when there's penalties on, speed, on speeding on pit road or whatever, they get that report. And we hear automatically, almost right after it happened, uh, 14 has a penalty. Right. He tells Ryan this because, well, he's in, 14's in front of Ryan. So he's going to want Ryan to know. Ryan's around third or fourth at this point. He's going to want Ryan to know that car in front of you has to do something. He has to get out of your way. Now, what happens <laughs> is that the uh, 14 ends up behind the 11 in these turns. By turn 5 or 6, uh, he moves the 11 out of the way. He literally yeah. punts him. Um, under normal circumstances, you know, last lap or two of the race, uh, like I said, you ask for forgiveness. It's racing. Yeah. But and, everybody saw what you did in turn 1. <laughs> yeah. Everybody. <laughs> so I kind of asked Josh about the timing of hearing this this report from NASCAR on the penalty because a lot was put into this after the race uh, because Denny and and Briscoe had this discussion. Yeah, did Chase know before punting? He hit, I wasn't going to say, it, but yes, before he punted Denny, did he know that he was going to be penalized? He claims that he wasn't, which you say. His spotter may not have told him. Yes, that, that's um, what's interesting about um, uh, the one NASCAR show uh, that they, they do the radioactive thing, and you watched if you watched radioactive the way they had it set up, they made it sound like he was told pretty quickly that he got a penalty. Yeah. Josh says it's not they it's necessarily. not necessarily true. They may have edited that for TV. Um, and we don't know because we obviously we weren't listening to it, so we we cannot tell you live what happened. What happened with you know if we were listening to, to Chase's. Frisco's spotter, it's a whole different story. Um, Kate's side note is, I don't understand how you couldn't have known that you were going to penalize for that. It wasn't It wasn't just a little thing. It was a big thing, I thought. Whether or not he was told or not. He, he should have been in his mind. <laughs> Maybe they saw that. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? You try to race for the win, and then, the, you know, if they yeah. want to tell you after the race that you're disqualified, that's a... So, okay, so he, he punts him, and he takes the lead. Yeah. And then they get to some of the turns in the in the back end of the course, and I, you say he missed the turn basically, but yeah, uh, I, I, he just missed the turn. Yeah, I don't know if he missed the turn on purpose though. I don't know if that's because he was trying to serve his penalty at that point. It didn't look like it. It looked like he just he just, he just locked him up. Yeah. Um. So, Almendinger takes the lead. Takes the lead, oh. and Ryan. <laughs> Ends up right behind him. And the next lap, at least for us, was pure mayhem. We, yes. we annoyed every fan around us. And your wife, because you hit the button on our our, our headsets to talk to each other and screamed into it. And um, darn near deafened me. <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> I got a little excited. Um, <laughs> we were both screaming, but you had to hit your button and... I want to share it with you. I want to make sure. I you can know. hear you with the headset on. You headset don't. On. Yes, I, know, I, know. I don't need. Yeah. Um, so we did. We basically that next lap was just totally excited. You don't know what can happen. It's a road course. AJ is, you know, the road course ringer. He's really good at it. Um, but you know, you think that well, Ryan might have better equipment. He has one more lap to do something. Maybe he puts enough pressure on AJ where AJ could slip up in a turn. And in case you guys don't know, we were at the inaugural Roval race. So that's in the back of our heads, too, is, you know, sometimes sometimes it's great to be lucky instead. <laughs> be in the right place at the right time. And that's all that was going through my head the entire last lap. Yeah. Um, what, what's to be said about Ryan's race, especially at the end, during all these things that happened, is he avoided all the, all the trouble. And uh, there's something to be said for a guy who can do that. Um, yeah, his car looked pretty good at the end. Yeah, he, he did not have a lot of damage. Mm -mm. And, uh, you know, all those things that happened, they happened around him, and he was in the middle of some of them. 
but he didn't end up as part of them. And, and yeah. you know, there's something to be said about the skill mm-hmm. that he has uh, to get away with that. Um, so, yeah, the, the 16 ends up winning and the 12 ends up finishing second. He's basically a second, yeah. second and a half behind him. I mean, Larson put, yeah. Larson put a little pressure on Ryan from behind going yeah. into the last turn or two. And Larson finished like a really close third. Um, so great day for for Team Penske. Um, even though that the the other two races were won by Penske drivers, uh, Ryan was almost yeah it was almost a Penske speak. almost a Penske sweep for the weekend. Very close. Um, so what was really great about it is then afterward, um, you know AJ AJ's you know doing he did some. Uh, Burnouts there and uh, did some great interviews because he's so excited. He hasn't, you know, won a cup race in, in a long time. An interesting side note is, is that AJ did win a cup race at Watkins Glen years ago. And um, that race that he won, uh, Josh Williams was his spotter. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that was, you know, kind of interesting thing that had happened uh, with AJ there years and years ago. Um, now, the standings afterward... Um, Kind of shaking out now. Now Denny is Denny is a has not won a race yet, but Denny has positioned himself where he's in into the playoffs no matter what happens. I think now uh, because nobody else uh, there's not enough other out of the uh, top sixteen people that can win a race and knock him down. Um, so right now Ryan is pretty solidly in that eighth position. Um, these next couple of weeks, there's a couple more races before the playoffs. I'd love to see him get that. Uh, Extra point or two just to get that extra five points start head start on uh, on Joey, but it's him and Joey pretty much are are tied right now for those couple positions. Any other thoughts on on the weekend itself? Huh? It was. I mean, it was a great weekend. Um, I do want to say uh, shout out to the yellow shirt workers at Indianapolis. Um, every every racetrack we've been to, the the workers have been fantastic. But my goodness, within the first like. Five minutes of us being in the track, people were so friendly and so nice and so helpful. Um, they just they they put on a good good weekend. Yeah, it was it was, it was really nice, friendly. How friendly they were. I mean, mm-hmm. mind you, we got there way earlier than than maybe your normal fan will get there. Um, I want to say they said there was what about sixty thousand people uh, roughly in attendance. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we saw is, like I said, the bulk of them were sitting in turn up high in turn one and up high in turn uh, uh, four, um, so they could see all the action that happened on the uh, the backstretch, or not the backstretch, but uh, all the turns behind the Pagoda, basically. Um, but everything we saw on the front stretch, there was enough TVs placed there where you could watch the things happen on the backstretch. Yeah. And what was great for us is those last couple laps, Ryan was running with the leaders and was part of that group so we saw pretty much anything that happened to ryan and with ryan uh, the overhead view of everybody going into turn one uh, was pretty amazing every time they did it because i don't know how they all got through there without really killing each other or spinning each other out in front of each other um, every time they had a restart and they had you know six or seven of them so and if you've never been to a road course go to a road course I know that some people, when they see it on the, you know, coming up next week, it's a road course, they they might roll their eyes or, you know, go and watch it in person. It's complete. It, I, I was never a huge fan of, of road courses, but man, the first time I, we, the first one we went to was road, uh, no, mid, mid Ohio, um, it, the standalone Xfinity race. And it's completely different. It's so interesting. Go. And if not a cup race, go to an Xfinity race. Go to go to any local yeah, I know, race. I know, this, I know this year they've added, you know, they've added so many road courses, and there are old school people who are totally against it, and they just want more ovals. And uh, I, you know, it's a different set of skills that you need. Right, and I think that's the best part of it is that it does involve um, more than just being able to feel it in your butt. And I say feel it in your butt because a lot of a lot of drivers will tell you when they're driving uh, the ovals, that's what they do. They get into the seat and they can feel whether or not the back end is underneath them and how hard they have to steer the car to get it back straight once they come out of a turn. And that's a great skill, but the road course shows you that they know how to turn left, turn right, shift a gear, come up out of a turn, set themselves for the next turn, 
And it's all the things that, you know, Formula One, they tell you about Formula One, or even IndyCar is doing a lot more road courses now. And it, it just shows off more skills. And, and, you know, Ryan is definitely a guy who actually is pretty good at it. And um, the more they do this, the, the more it's going to show, you know. Yeah. Go, go watch it in person. Yeah. If you get to go see one, you know, uh, there's so much to the strategy, too. You've, you know, you've got all these different pit strategies and when the cautions fall and what, you know, you know, guys are trying to make sure they save fuel. And, you know, so there's so much to it and it makes it so much more interesting. And when a guy like AJ wins, that shows you exactly why um, road courses are important. Because a guy like AJ with a team that's not really one of the top four or five teams out there can win a race. And he didn't do it based on, uh, you know, just the pit strategy. He did it on his racing ability, too. Mm -hmm. He he got down to a point where um, he got penalized, had to start in the back of the field. And he raced his way to the front between that point and the end of the race. And he avoided the accidents just like Ryan did, and he got himself there. So, like I said, uh, if you get a chance, make sure you check out a road course. Uh, there's gonna be, they're going to be here to stay. I don't think they're going anywhere. Uh, saw some good polling data on it. A lot of people like the like the road courses. They like what can happen there. They like the fact that these different drivers get to do different things. And uh, the drivers love them. You know, they, you may not think so, but uh, they do like to, to be tested. They like their skills and ability to be tested. Okay, and again, here's Adam Rogers with another week in NASCAR history. This week in NASCAR history. Yes, thank you, Steve and Kate, for taking the reins this week, fresh off your trip from Indianapolis, and thanks for providing all of that extra insight you had from the grounds there at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. But as you said, let's take a look at this week in NASCAR history. Starting off, we have August 19th, 1950. Curtis Turner qualifies his Oldsmobile at just over 82 miles per hour to win the pole for the inaugural Southern 500 at Darlington Raceway. 15 days of qualifying determine the 75-car field. The quickest five cars each day earn a starting berth. Up next, we have August 16, 1963. Junior Johnson leads from start to finish and wins the International 200 at Bowman Gray Stadium. The race is open to foreign cars, but only one makes the field, an MG that Smokey Cook drives to a 17th place finish. Moving on to August 16, 1970, restrictor plates make their first appearance in NASCAR racing at Michigan International Speedway. Charlie Glotzbach drives a winged Dodge Daytona to victory under the caution flag. Next, we head to August 16th again, 1981 though. Richard Petty leads a pack of seven cars to the finish line to win at Michigan. Dale Earnhardt in his first start with Richard Childress finishes ninth. And wrapping up this week's edition, we have August 18th, 1991. Dale Jarrett prevails in a photo finish over Davey Allison to win his first NASCAR Winston Cup event in the champion Spark Plug 400. Jarrett edges Allison by 10 inches in the closest finish in Michigan International Speedway history. That's it for this week in NASCAR history. Tune in again next week and we'll take you on another trip through the history of NASCAR. Now back to you, Stephen Kate. Thanks, Adam, for that This Week in NASCAR History Report. Always great to hear about the different things going on in the history of NASCAR. Ryan Blaney, Weekend Preview. Michigan International Speedway. And we're moving on. This week coming up, the Firekeepers Casino 400, Sunday, August 22nd, Michigan International Speedway, 3 o'clock on NBCSN. Yay! I love Michigan. I love it. She just likes going to the Firekeeper's Casino. That's part of it. Tell the truth. That's part of it. But I do really like Michigan. Um, what year did we go? We actually got to go to the casino one year. Yeah. Uh, 18 or 19. Yeah. We actually uh, we got a we got a free room. No. No, no, we paid for the room. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, we had a free room. <laughs> no. We had a free room. No, I just probably didn't tell you. Oh. <laughs> All right, well, we got a room at the casino. <laughs> that one, it, uh, It's a huge casino. Yeah. And how far from the track was the casino? It's about an hour and a half? Uh, I want to say it was in about an hour. Yeah. We usually try to stay between a half hour and an hour away from the tracks. Yeah. 
Um, now, uh, this year, uh, there's just one race at Michigan. Uh, last year with the with COVID, they had uh, two races. This year, uh, they already have kind of the the, the, the lineup. I saw Bob Pockross had posted a lineup, and he's got uh, Ryan starting third, um, and he's got uh, Larson and Elliott on the front row, and D. Benedetto is actually going to start fourth. Um, That'll be one of his best starts. So yeah, uh, yeah we're gonna go back a little bit uh, history here with uh, Ryan at uh, at Michigan. Okay, I'm gonna go back to 18. Um, but his best start was seventh and 19, and then eighth and ninth in uh, 18. And then he stays kind of in the you know 11 and 20, uh, 13th in 19, and then the last one he actually started 17th. Yeah, that was based on. Uh, the matrix uh, last year because they, right. they didn't have actual qualifying. Yeah. Finishes are pretty good, though, uh, at Michigan. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Back to 18th. Um, he finished 8th, 5th, 9th, 24th. There was a 4th uh, for the first one in 2020, and then 38th in his last one because of the crash. Yeah, and a lot of laps led there. Um, mm -hmm. you know, Fifteen laps led in uh, maybe twenty eighteen. Uh, Twenty seven laps led last year in, in that first Michigan race. Yeah. Um, I know the one we saw, or at least one of the ones we saw. Uh, restarts are really, really big there, where uh, momentum uh, being pushed by the guy behind you. And I know Ryan lined up oh. behind. Uh, Ryan lined up behind uh, Chase Elliott a couple times on restarts in that race, and didn't didn't get a good push. No. Uh, well, Ryan was pushing very good, and Chase didn't take off very well, yeah. if I remember correctly. Yeah. And Chase could have won a couple uh, a couple races there, and um, actually go back over the last like five ten years there. Michigan, you read off a couple of the winners for us there. Um, well, they're kind of bunched up with uh, Kyle Larson's got three. Then Clint Boyer's in there, Kevin's in there. Joey got the second one in 19, and then it's been Harvick, Harvick, Harvick. Yeah. So. I, I think I think Harvick, the one Harvick in 18, I think that may have been one of the ones we were at, because I think he ended up being the one that won. He got a better push um, in that front row and got pushed the lead. Because um, the guy in the second row on these restarts at Michigan, he not only wants to push that guy, but he wants to push him out there so far that he could be the guy running second, basically, and maybe make a pass within a lap or two. Definitely a momentum track, mm -hmm. um, but it's very big. You know, two was a two mile, and they get spread out um, going into the turns. It's really wild to watch yeah. how many different lines they can run um, mm -hmm. in the turns. There, there's going to be three or four different lines that they'll run into the turns and then collect all up and be right back together. Wide open. Wide open. And pretty much wide open all the way around the track. I don't know if they actually maybe burp the gas here or there, basically in the turn, but they're pretty much wide pretty open much, yeah. the whole way around the track. Um, so, you know, this week coming up should be pretty interesting week. They've got the starting position. Um, did you see anybody besides Ryan? Who do you see that basically has, might have a good shot at, uh, at winning this weekend? Well, I mean, Kevin's been pretty good there for the past uh, five, six years. Um, Kyle Larson's just been on a, he's been on a tear in, in anything that he, I mean, he could go out there in a soapbox derby car and probably do pretty good. Um, you know. Yeah, they're making a big deal of him on Sunday because Saturday night he was in Knoxville, Iowa. He wins the Knoxville Nationals. Yeah. You know, flies on Denny's took a plane. Red eye. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> flies on Denny's plane back to Indianapolis, and then uh, you know he ends up finishing third uh, in, in, in Indy too. So yeah, yeah, the, the Hendrick Motor uh, Hendrick Motorsports uh, power right now. Uh, yeah, you can't count, count them out for anything. No, but if you're looking at Fords, I, I you know Harvick, I usually do think was going to do well, but I don't know if something's going on with Stuart Haas this year where they're not quite the same. Um, I, I expect good things out of out of Ryan this weekend. Yeah, Ryan, I think is in a good position. Um, Joey will find his way up there, and, and uh, I think um, Keselowski, you know, 
there's only got a couple late races left with, with that's his home track and yeah yeah and, and that's the thing is that mm -hmm. there's only got a couple left here with Penske and this is always a big one for all the Ford teams um, they, they do a good job of being uh, at the you know making a big presence at the track uh, mm -hmm. Ford's display there's pretty pretty large yeah. usually um, Michigan. It is Michigan. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, of course. <laughs> I, you know, Hamlin's starting up near the front. Um, and, oh. and then yeah, Ky watch, watch for Denny. Kyle and Kurt Busch are actually starting like near each other, which is kind of interesting. The brothers uh, hmm. have been running a, a lot against each other this year. So, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I really think that uh, this week is is a, is a week where Ryan could get get another W. Be pretty optimistic here, but <laughs> but it'd be nice to get one before the playoffs. But you know what? Truthfully, it doesn't doesn't really matter until the playoffs start. Yeah. If they're saving it, that's great. But uh, you know, Michigan is a rare. But we'll still take it. We'll, we'll still, still take, it. take it. Yeah. Michigan's a rare bird because Michigan doesn't is the only track of its kind right now because it, the California doesn't exist right now. So this two mile, you know, with uh, you know basically the. The horsepower package they're running and you know, being able to run wide open. It's, it's a rare, rare bird, and uh, it'll be great to see them just get it wound up. Hopefully, the car stays, you know, doesn't get beat beat up. And, yeah. uh, you know, let's start to uh, look into um, you have the NASCAR fantasy uh, team Blaney fantasy lineup uh, for this past week over there. Results from India are on top there. If you want to go ahead and read off our top 10 for Indianapolis in the fantasy. Live league. Team I'll league. start with number 10. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Number 10, Supermod. Number 9 is Glitterbugs. Number 8 is Blaney's Daisy. Number 7 is Rogue Tough. Number 5, please tell me I get it right this time. Stellarnarius. Is that right? I think that's correct. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and if you're on Twitter, that's at Stellarnarius. Let's spell that real quick. S T E L L. A-R-N-A-R-I-O-U-S. Yeah, check that out on Twitter. She, every weekend, does transcribe uh, all of Ryan's radio communication with uh, Todd and Josh. And, uh, you know, a lot of times if I don't hear it, I go back through her Twitter and I find it. Yeah. Uh, and it's great insight into what's going on during the race. She is actually tied for fifth with Clyde's Chicken Pit Racing. And then number four, we've got Doug K0525. And then number three is Blaney Kicks You Know What. Uh, number two is Vans 12. And number one is The Prime Minister 3. So pretty good week. Uh, you know, this week and the next week, two weeks to follow, a lot of the um, lineups are going to get messed up because you've used up a lot of your guys. And... Um, what we're looking for is hopefully somebody you can start that's going to finish well. I had actually had A.J. Allmendinger in my lineup. I did not have him picked to win or anything, so I didn't get any extra bonus points. And I finished a little bit further down in the standings for the day. Um, but uh, go ahead and give us the uh, the top ten of the overall standings so far for the, the league. Overall, number ten is the Dalai Lama 4. Number nine is Go Larson. Number eight is Mez 12. Who's that? Number seven, Vans 12. Number six is Glitterbugs. Number five is Rogue Tough. Four is Blaney Kicks You Know What. Number three, Moon Cup. Number two is Doug K0525. And number one is Clyde's Chicken Pit Racing. So like I said, these this next two weeks, um, you're getting a, hopefully finding somebody who you can still use. Uh, I know Adam has saved some of his best starts for some of his people. I still have at least one more Ryan usage to use. I don't know if I use it for this week or for Daytona. Mm. Uh, then it resets at the playoffs. I don't know if it's five usages or something like that, but it resets uh, for the playoffs. So, you know, I don't know who else, you know, that you haven't used yet, um, but I would say for... I might use it this week. Yeah, I might use it this <laughs> week. He's starting up there for close yeah. enough to the front. Um, you know, somebody like Christopher Bell, because the... Uh, the horsepower is pretty good right now with the Gibbs cars, and he's actually been running pretty well. Um, if you have any usage of like a Bowman or a Byron left, go ahead and use them. Use them up now. Harvick, you know, Harvick would be a good one, and Amarola too. Amarola's with that that, that team and that program, and he runs really well there. Uh, the the Reddick and Dylan thing is kind of interesting because 
you know, Childress is just seems like they're real close to, to getting back into the mix as one of the top teams. Yeah. Riddick ran really well at Indy, and uh, between those two cars, they seem to be inching their way up into the mix with all the big boys again where they should be. Uh, so those are a couple guys you might want to use also. Make sure you uh, check it out this uh, this Sunday, the Firekeepers Casino 400 at the Michigan International Speedway, 3 o'clock on NBCSN. Um, there, this is a already, there's no qualifying, no practice. So, you know, just tune in Sunday, check it out. Um, you know, if you want to check out uh, some Twitter stuff, um, we did post a lot of pictures, Twitter, Instagram, Team Blaney. Uh, also reposted some stuff for us this past weekend. I know my my wife. Uh, your your Twitter handle is uh, Motive Kate. M O T I V K A T E. And uh, you know, mine is M E Z Z twelve one two. And uh, you know, if you don't go to Team Blaney, go to their those those places. Also, I've got uh, uh, Mez thirty six on Instagram. So I posted pictures there. Um, like I said, we do a lot with Twitter. Um, so we posted a lot of different things there. Some interesting pictures from the Speedway. We try to get Ryan type of stuff. Um, you know, like I said, we, we were literally walking behind Ryan's garage to take a picture of the, of the name above the garage there. Is what, what we were doing when we ran into Josh. So um, I think uh, that'll be do it for us. Uh, so thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this episode of the Team Lane Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, please listen to our first episode that really dives deep into how we both became fans of the Blaney family racing, racing family. If you'd like to interact with us, you can find uh, Team Blaney on Twitter at Team Blaney and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Team Blaney. Don't forget to also download, rate, subscribe to the Team Blaney podcast on Apple and Google podcast apps. And, uh, you know, please do that. Go ahead, not just listen to but download so you get it every week. Usually we try to post it by Wednesday morning, uh, Thursday at the latest, depending on what kind of content we're trying to get our hands on. Um, but uh, if we get uh, you know subscriptions up there and we know who's subscribing and you know where you're from, it's kind of great for us to know that we're not just doing this to hear ourselves talk. <laughs> uh, we really like interacting with those people. Uh, that's part of why we went to the tweet up like we did. That's part of why Adam went to the tweet up when he went to Atlanta. I know Adam will be at uh, Daytona in two weeks here also. So. You know, take a look for us. Uh, we'll be at the track to talk to you as much as we can. And um, once again, to close out the show, we want to remind you to check out the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. This organization, established in 2018, supports causes that have closely impacted the Blaney family, including the Alzheimer's Association and UPMC Sports Medicine. Uh, you can find out more about the foundation on its website, ryanblaneyfamilyfoundation.org or on Twitter at RBFanFoundation, and finally on Facebook at facebook.com slash RBFamilyFoundation. Uh, don't forget, uh, you check out the Family Foundation, and you can join the Blaney Bunch fan club. And uh, coming in October, the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation has something pretty big coming up. They've kind of been hinting at it. So make sure you subscribe to all their pages so that when the info does break, uh, you'll have it. And uh, you know, we'll catch you next week on the Team Blaney Podcast. Good night, Brussels! <laughs>